What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Greg Lacey. Um, first and foremost, I want to welcome everybody to the Speak My Peace podcast. If it's your first time, welcome. If it's not, welcome back. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. With that being said, I do want to thank my live listeners. Um, just for me, over these past couple of weeks, being someone, for the most part, I don't really tune into Instagram lives because it's kind of hard to do. Um, when you think about it, it's like you don't have the capability on your phone to watch something. Also, you just don't have the attention span to just be consumed by one thing on your phone for such a certain amount of time. So because of obviously of everything that's going on with COVID-19, we've been able to digest more media and more content by way of Instagram Live. And me, myself, I know I've watched a lot over the past two or three weeks. I know starting my first one was like three weeks ago was the DJ D-Nice um, dance party he had. That thing was going on for like nine hours. I know I tuned in for at least two hours of the nine hours uh, and then periodically checked back in um, as it was going on. And then from that, you know, we have the, the versus battle. We had the, the Swiss beat versus Timberland, Scott Storch versus um, Manny Fresh. Uh, most recently, we had T-Pain versus Little John. We had Neo versus uh, uh, Jonta Austin. And so I'll say all that to say that I know myself just for me being a fan of all the lives that's been going on, that it's not easy to consume that and, and staying alive. So I, I definitely appreciate all you guys who have been tuning in to the live recordings of the podcast. You guys are greatly appreciated. Not to single anybody out um, because my audio listeners, you guys are, are greatly appreciated as well. But I definitely understand how hard it may be to consume a live in, in one sitting. So thank you guys so much. With all that being said, um, I hope that this episode is reaching you all, whether it's audio or visual, that's reaching you in good health. You're practicing um, safe measures to, to protect yourself, uh, protect your families, protect your loved ones, just to keep everybody in good spirits and keep everybody in good health. Um, that's the most important thing right now as we're dealing with what we're dealing with. And also selflessness, as we've been covering for the past two weeks, that's the most important thing right now. So I hope that this episode is reaching you all in good health. Um, just to get into the thick of things, speaking about selfishness and selflessness and also just, just the dumb stuff that we covered and we, uh, spoke about in the last episode. As soon as we got, as soon as I finished recording the last episode, something happened as far as media wise that we seen. And it was local too. It happened in LA. And I was like, Damn, this this couldn't have happened like an hour earlier. We could have covered this in a podcast. But I just thought it was ironic around the time this happened. Um, before we do get into anything, too, I know I already said that. This is going to be a short episode. I know for my avid listeners, I say that, and then we end up going an hour and some change, and it usually be like the longest of episodes. We are going to try to get this episode done in a short time. Um, I promise you guys. I <laughs> But anyways, the what I was speaking about was as soon as I finished recording the last episode in the news, there was a story that was covering about a train engineer who tried to run a train into a a um, 
a hospital. It wasn't just a regular hospital. It was a it was a navy ship. Obviously, with all this going on, it's been we've been requiring a lot of people to to come to the forefront to help uh, combat this virus. And with that, you know, the the civilians have called for the help of enlisted military members. And with that being said, you know, a lot of navy ships who were at sea have been called to dock at the nearest dock just so that they can use also their um their hospitals to treat the patients and as of last week one of the navy ships was in la and there was a train engineer who tried to crash his ship he tried to crash i'm sorry he tried he tried to drive his train into the navy ship thank god the train derailed and no one was injured um but this just goes on to all that we've been talking about this just goes on to 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 display and to further carry along the 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 fear mongering and also just the the false information the consequences of spreading false information what it's doing um as it spread so the obviously the man was detained and he was arrested and he spoke about the reasoning for him trying to run his train into a navy hospital um and this is verbatim what he said these are quotes um the train. I'm reading the article. Actually, uh, the train engineer told police in L.A. that he intentionally crashed his locomotive at a high speed near the USNS Mercy hospital ship to what seems a bizarre attempt to expose a perceived conspiracy. Let me go into the conspiracy theorists, people spreading information that has no backing to it, that's not vetted by anyone, and that is going out and spewing not only wrong information but information that's basically charging people up to go out and do dumb shit but anyways he went on to say that basically the ship even though the ship was called in to help you know local hospitals and treat patients who were treated who were um considered positive for COVID-19 he said that the ship wasn't there for that that it was there for something else and that um basically he went on to further say that you only get one chance the whole world is watching so I had to people don't know what's going on here now they will he told, uh, basically, that's what he told the officers when he was deranged. So, basically, from what I read and going on further, that what he's referring to is saying that essentially the virus is not real. Um, there are other, there are hidden agendas for the government and and what they're trying to do as far as the as far as bringing people to uh, to certain hospitals or not being able to treat certain people. This also goes on to, and I don't know if I spoke about it in a podcast episode, but I've seen it um, or spoken about it on social media about people sharing videos of seeing tanks going through the city and saying, oh, this goes back to the martial law. People saying that, you know, the reason why there's heavy military presence going on or National Guard going in certain cities because the, the government is issuing martial law. And essentially, if you're outside, the military is either going to kill you or jail you or some some bullshit. This was all the information that was spewed like within the first week of the coronavirus really like really implementing or really having an effect on what's going on in the United States. And so because of that, because of this false information was spread and many people believe it. We have it is like this man who was trying who tried to run a locomotive into a hospital. Now, granted, if his attempt to do this was successful, now we have a bigger issue at hand because these ships hold, and I'm going off the top of my head, I think it's like 4,000 4, people or roughly 4,000 people. I'm talking about like average Navy ship. It's probably more than that. But I think that these Navy ships, they, they house 
at least 4,000 people on these ships or at most 4,000 people on these ships. Um, I got to go back and find out the information. But just think about if he was able to successfully run this train into a damn Navy ship to where people are just doing their job. Um, essentially, they're calling what they feel like a lot of people that enlist in the military and their lives are taken at the at the hands of some idiot who saw something on social media, and I don't know, I don't know the man personally, but I'm just going off of how I've seen people react and how I've seen the share of news going on on social media. The just people spreading false information in regards to martial law, in regards to how America is, is treat is trying to combat it, and also just the 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 origin of COVID nineteen as well. So, if you didn't know how serious or the severe severity and you spreading false information. If you don't know what it does, you see a firsthand attempt there. And that's just one of the many cases. I'm pretty sure there's more stuff going on in the world that hasn't been covered. But I just thought it was ironic about and considering what we were speaking about in our last episode. And then for me to see it after I finished recording to see what this man is doing. It's sick, but I mean, that's the world that we live in. That's just one of the instances. Um, and that's just one level. Um, people believe many conspiracies regarding the COVID-19. One thing I can say is that believe what you want to believe. I'm not here to preach. I'm not here to change people's minds. But as I continue to say, just be mindful of the information that you're sharing. Be mindful of the people who you're sharing the information with and just vet the information that you're getting. Like, if you want to spread false information, that's fine. But at least attempt to vet it. At least to say that, you know, I read this on Facebook and I checked CBS and it was on CBS News as well. Or it was on CNN News as well. Wherever the case may be. Just have some type of vetting process because there's consequences for idiots and ignorance like this. And I know two episodes ago I said that I didn't really want to speak too much on this. I don't want the, the episodes moving forward to cover COVID-19 that much but it's hard not to speak about it because as I said this is our new normalcy and this is what we have to deal with and this stuff is is developing and getting stronger and in some cases getting worse in each country or each city and each state every week so it's going to continue to develop and I'm just going to have to cover it I'm not going to give you guys my in-depth analysis but I'm just going to give you guys my I'm just going to speak my piece on how I feel being on the outside looking in um, thank God that I don't know anyone personally who's been affected by it. Um, but if you have my thoughts and prayers are, are with you or your loved ones or your family. Um, another thing that I saw this morning in regarding to the news was not even this morning. It was the beginning of this week. The speaking of the Navy as well. It's funny how this ties in the, the surgeon general of the United States. I believe he's a, he's a Navy officer. He basically we start off the news. We started off the week with him going on the news and saying that this is going to be our and I and I have no problem with saying this is going to be our worst week. We speak. We've spoken about it in the past two episodes about that next week was going to be one of the worst week. And this week was going to like basically just guide us there. So like the tail end of this week and for the most part next week, we're going to see as worse as it gets as far as it pertains to the United States. Um, And. Monday morning, I'm watching the news, and he's on the news saying that this is going to be our Pearl Harbor. This is going to be our 9-11. I don't want to downplay the severity of the coronavirus. I never want to do that because people are really being affected by it, and people are really losing loved ones because of it, and people are, are really losing their lives because of 
senselessness of people around them who don't want to protect themselves or who don't want to admit that they may have symptoms or may admit that they may have been exposed to someone with symptoms. Um, it's very serious. But I think when we're going on the news and we're spreading information saying that this is going to be our 9-11, this is going to be our Pearl Harbor, those are two of the biggest, as far as death tolls are speak, and, and innocent people losing their lives in this country, those are two of the biggest events that have occurred. So when you go on the news and you spread information like that, it does nothing but put more people in this country in fear. And we have more incidents like this idiot who's trying to run a train into a Navy hospital ship. I don't know what the Surgeon General's, I don't know what his MO was in, in saying that, but I think that what he was trying to do was like express the severity of it, but I just, I don't understand it and I can't get with it. Someone in the comments uh, for you audio listeners saying that this is nothing like Pearl Harbor. Uh, do you mean that this is worse or you think that this is, is, uh, Obviously, I wasn't old enough and I didn't pay attention too much to history in school. So I don't know the severity of what Pearl Harbor was. I know the surroundings of what happened, um, but I don't know how severe Pearl Harbor was. But we also have to take into account that how things have developed as far as the country and how news spread um, as time develops. I think if Pearl Harbor was to happen now, I think it would be it would have a worse effect than it did then. Um Obviously, we saw what the or if you know anything about history, you know what the the U.S. response was to Pearl Harbor was to implement a system to where they started putting. um, And I don't want to get the demographic wrong. I don't remember it was was Japanese or it was all Asians. But basically, um, they started putting them into these camps because of this is this is their response to fear. And that's how they respond that they in a sense, the government panicked. And that's what they did was decided to run to that because that was the best way to protect themselves. Um, but even going back to what I was speaking about in regard to news, one thing that I've been thinking about in regards to this, that it sucks that people like, no matter what, there's a saying that said, there's only two things that's certain in life, death and taxes. And I say that to say that people are still dying. Like even with all this going on and I've been thinking about it because I'm weird and I'm not suicidal or anything like that, but I often think about death. I think that I've been exposed to death for um, a lot of years of my life. And I'm not saying that like I want to kill myself or, but I think about the afterlife a lot. Um, and that just comes with me just having a conscience and me being exposed to death since I was probably the earliest closest family member death I've had in my life was probably six. I want to say I was maybe six years old. Um but since then, like I've been exposed to death for majority of my life, so this is a constant thought. But anyways, I say all that to say, one of the things that I've been thinking about recently, like, damn, some people can't even, like, it. This is not even. It's never a good time to die. But this is not even an ideal time to die for people who are the loved ones of those who disease. And I think about that because, like, for one. Businesses are shut down, so we have to, so that plays a part in all of it. But for two, for people who are losing their lives due to COVID nineteen, family members aren't able to come in contact with them. Family members aren't able to go see them in their last moments because the hospitals and the government are protecting us, uh, the loved ones. 
from them because obviously, like if, if someone's dying of COVID nineteen, you want to go see them in the hospital. You're going to con- contract that virus because the, the virus is airborne, and so you can't come and you can't be in close proximity with that. And we've seen it in social media. We've seen it in the news about people who can't properly, you know, grieve the loss of their loved ones because they're not able to even visit with them and they're not able to see them in their last moments. And it sucks. Like I would hate to be in that position. The reason why I bring all this up is because I've been thinking about like, what if someone just die of a, what if someone dies of a heart attack or what if someone dies as a, as an accident? What if you get into a car crash and you pass away? Funerals are shut down. I mean, funerals, funeral homes are shut down. Churches are shut down. Cemeteries are shut down. So, like, you basically, we don't know when the stay-at-home mandate is going to end. I think there's, like, for the most part, we believe that it's probably not going to end till summer. I think that things are probably not going to somewhat even inch back to get into normal until, like, June. Well, this is my thought. I don't think that's going to inch back and get to normal until, like, late June, maybe 4th of July weekend. Um, if it's, if it, get, it starts to get back to normal before then, then great. But that's just my belief is that it's not going to even, we're not even going to have an inkling of the old normalcy until around that time, the, the peak of summer. So when you think about that, and you think about all these businesses that have to be closed. If you were to lose a loved one and God forbid any of us lose a loved one, but if you were to lose a loved one to anything else other than COVID-19, you can't properly bury them because there's no business open for you to bury them. There's no cemetery open for you to, to give them a proper burial place. There's no funeral homes open for you to buy a casket or do whatever the case may be. All businesses are closed. Those aren't considered essential businesses. So you can't even send your family off right. Um, someone in the comment, uh, I'm read a comment from someone said that, uh, yeah, it's sad I saw the YouTuber was grandma recently died and they weren't able to see her in the last days because it was really hard on my family right now. Yeah, that's it's like it's crazy to think that you can't properly and, and for a lot of people that hit that hit hard because if you lose some if you lose a loved one and you lose someone very close to you, one of you you never have closure. For anyone who's dealt with death in their family or dealt with a friend's death or whatever the case may be, you never really have closure, but you have some sense of closure in seeing that they were sent off the proper way or seeing them at peace, wherever the case may be. But if you're not afforded that right because of the countrywide, worldwide, global stay-at-home mandate, you're never going to have that closure. Now your loved one is just sitting somewhere for a long time and now you have to worry about you know what's going on because you just want to have you want to see this person buried i i know someone very close to me who before even all of this before covid-19 really hit america hard um it had nothing to do with covid-19 but i know someone who very close to me who had a loved one pass away and it was a month before they put before they put that person into the ground before they buried them had a, a proper funeral service and i saw just like the 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 mental weight that 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 burden that it, it carried over that family and that's not something easy to deal with um i think that it sucks but that's just something that i think about i think about a lot of stuff and that's just something that was came across my mind is like damn not only can not only can't family members of 
patients who have been confirmed positive for the uh, for the virus, they can't bury the family. But also people who are losing people to, to normal causes or to accidents or whatever they are, freak accidents, whatever the case may be, they aren't able to to bury them or send them all proper way. And that could hurt. And God forbid that ever happens to me. Um, God forbid that ever happens to any of my listeners. If you don't believe in God, I'm sorry. And just forbid <laughs> that. uh that that happens to you. Uh, I'm gonna take a moment for a second to read through just the comments. Um, we had a general said the military is under no movement until August at the latest. See, yeah, so that's around the same time that I believe that um, it's going to end. August is the month after July. I said this person, the the military general said August at the least. I say late June. Hope I say in July selfishly. Uh, my family always gets together for July, uh, Fourth of July weekend. So that's probably why I'm saying July, just being selfish. But that that is aligned with what I believe around the same time. And I think, and I also agree with another comment in the live session. Someone speaking about just their grandma's getting close. Um, yes, that sucks. Like some people, you know. You you have a you have a feeling of not even we're speaking outside of COVID nineteen. It's some people you know when their time is going to soon come, and you have to mentally prepare for that. But you also have to mentally prepare for the outcome or the aftermath of that. And nothing could prepare you for just waiting around trying to get that person a proper burial site. So that sucks. But I pray for everyone who who is is dealing with that. Um, that's not something I wish on anyone, but it's just, that's just the state we in. But it also goes to show the severity and the seriousness of people staying at home. I'm not going to say that I'm in the house every day. I wake up every morning and I run, um, but I'm not hanging out with people. Um, I go to the grocery store if I need to, um, over the weekends. I don't usually cook over the weekends. I've been trying to cook more over the weekends now, but normally I would just cook during the week and then over the weekends I eat out. I try now to cook during the weekends, but um, I think for the most part that this just goes to show how important it is to stay at home. I know at first it was like a joke, like, no, you know, someone can't, you can't, the government can't hold me back, can't make me stay where they want me to stay against my own will. I understand that. And that was like, it was, it was funny for two seconds, but now we three weeks in, it's not funny anymore. It's, it's, it's serious and it's not serious for the, for the sake of protecting yourself. But it's, it's serious for the for the sake of protecting others. If you don't care about yourself and you feel like you're not uh, susceptible, what the fuck is the word? Sus- susceptible uh, to the virus, then go out and be free free will and do whatever you want and contract the virus and, and have your immune system fight that. But you also have to think about the fact that just because your immune system is not compromised or just because your immune system may be strong, you being free will and and going against the stay at home mandate you're putting yourself into a position to where now let's say you went out on a friday to hang out with friends because you think that you're above the law and you can do whatever the case may be you may have contracted the virus one of your friends who didn't know they have it now a week later let's say you want to go to stater brothers because you run out of eggs and you at the checkout counter and you had you now had the virus but you don't know because you're not prohibiting you're not uh exhibiting any symptoms but now this virus now this virus sorry now this cashier who that stated brother so you went to go buy eggs from 
because this cashier is considered essential. You know, we spoke about it in the last episode about how I feel about people who are putting their lives on the line and they shouldn't have to. Um, that's another topic. But go back to episode 54 if you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, now we have people who are just doing their job because they're deemed essential. Now they have two kids at home. They have a wife at home and they're just doing their job. And you being ignorant and you being selfish, you have the virus and you think it's just a normal day if you want to buy eggs. Now you pass it on to this cashier who didn't want it, who wasn't going out, who was protecting himself. Um, this is just the seriousness of it. Uh, I think that that's why we have to take this serious. If you don't want to stay home, don't stay home. But don't be putting yourself in a position to where you are affecting other people. If that's what you want to do, then start a forum at your house. Um, grow vegetables. Buy a cow. Uh, raise chickens. Have pigs. Whatever the case may be, do whatever you need to do to to make sure that you're able to eat, but don't put other people at risk. And so that's why it's important. The 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 stay at home mandate was funny the first two seconds for me as well. But now when I think about the case, like I don't want this shit to go on f- for for three months. Like for me, I like working at home. That's just the least aspect of my life. I don't like the fact that like I used to I go to my mom's about every weekend. She don't live too far from me. Um Usually, if, even if I'm going somewhere, I can stop by. Sometimes when I'm coming home from work, if it's if it's heavy traffic, I will stop by our house for a couple of hours. I can't do that anymore because I think that they're selfish. Like I'm still I'm still outside. As I said, I, I wake up every morning and I go run. Um, there's a Stater Brothers right across the street from my house, and when I need groceries, I go to the Stater Brothers. And so because of that, I don't know that I'm not contracting the virus by going to Stater Brothers. I just know that I'm not exhibiting symptoms, but. For the sake of me just not being selfish, I can't go to my mom's house every week because I don't know if I have the virus or not. And I don't want to walk into that house and now I'm passing it on to my mother, passing it on to my sisters, my brothers, my niece, wherever the case may be. I don't want to be that person. And so because of that, like I, I had to stop myself from going over there. Like I wanted to go over there this past weekend. I didn't, but I, I really wanted to. So I think that that's just what I... And I'm not going to continue to to harp on it too much. We had two prior episodes speaking about this. We're going to get into other stuff this episode. Um, but I think that's just a, the seriousness of just staying at home. Just if you don't want to stay at home, that's fine. But just don't be ignorant and don't be selfish. Be selfless. If you guys understand what I mean, just work. Just think about the people around you, even if you don't care about them. Just understand that it's a it's a it's a it's a <laughs> what the what am I about to say? There's a, a good chance that you may be passing it off. Um, one comment said that it's hard for some people to determine if they should keep going to work or stay at home. That's very true. Um, for one, people don't want to go to work for people who don't mean I, I, I've spoken and I've heard from a lot of people who don't want to go to work, but they have to make ends meet. So if they're if they're deemed essential, they're going to go out and go to work, even if they don't want to, because it's like, how are they going to make it through the day? Or how they're going to make it through next month. If they were to lift the stay at home mandate today, how are they going to be able to pay their rent next month or pay for groceries or pay the bills next month? Because they decided to stop going to work and now they, their job fired them. That's what we spoke about in the last episode was just about the, the jobs that should somehow have some type of benefits implemented to where 
they're protected, um, especially with all the, the money that's rolling out to these businesses now. They should somehow establish something to where these uh, these employees are protected in that sense that where they don't want to they have the option of not going to work rather than feeling like they have to go to work because the government or their employer deemed them essential. So that's all we're going to speak about COVID-19. I let it take away a whole 30 minutes of this episode. I said this episode was going to be short. I kind of lied. <laughs> I feel like that's not going to happen. But we're going to get into what I really want to cover in this episode. One of the comments in the last live session um, was speaking about generational wealth. And I thought it was ironic in what, in, in a sense, in a time that it was brought up. Um, just because for one, I've been thinking about it a lot and I think it's a deeper topic and we're going to get into it later. I got to do my research on a lot of stuff, but one of the comments asked in the live was what do I, I don't, I don't remember if it was, what do I think about generational wealth or do I have a plan for generational wealth? Um, but anyways, one thing that I've been thinking about for a while is that it's crazy where life take people. It's also crazy to see how people, what people believe they're called. And a lot of people, they go through life and they never figure out what they believe they're, or they never figure out what their calling is. Um, they never figure out what their purpose is. And one reason why I think that it's crazy is because we think about a lot of successful people. We think about a lot of people who have done well financially in their lives. And we think about just how much they've sacrificed in their life as far as time, valuable time to get to where they got. So I ask you guys, my listeners that are on the live um, podcast, what do you got? Do you guys think that there's a a threshold for for sacrifices you make in order to set your family up straight? Um, the reason why I ask this question is because we think about. One reason why this has been on my mind for a while because we think about in the wake of Kobe Bryant death, a lot of people, you know, they they spoke about how Kobe Bryant was really just beginning to become a father in his retirement years and how much he was loving it and how we haven't even seen the best Kobe Bryant yet because he had just really gotten to that second part of his life. And... I was thinking about that for Corey Bryant. I've seen it in other cases. We see like CEOs, you know, someone may be a CEO of a company and they dedicated 20 years of their lives of just working 9 to 9 a.m. to let's say 10 a.m. countless amount of weeks just to get where they at because that's what their goal was. And the reason why I asked is there a threshold because we think about and in the sake of Corey Bryant, and in many other cases, I'm speaking of Corey Bryant because this is like one of the most prevalent uh, reasons why it really stuck out of my head is that Corey Bryant was a professional basketball player from the age of 17 to 37. He played 20 years in the NBA. So think about the fact that for 17 years, his entire life was basketball. It was wake up. Workout to make sure that his body is in tick-tock shape. Wait, and then after that, work on his game to make sure that he's and that he's able to to go out every night and showcase his best work when the time is called for him. And also, just like 
making sure that he's eating right. Um, aside from that, the time that he's on the road, the time that he's traveling, the time that he's playing a game, for 20 years, we can probably say the majority of his life was basketball. And within those 20 years, he has his him and his wife, you know, they've brought children into this world. So when we think about the, the fact that, you know, Corey Bryant was a very successful basketball player. Corey Bryant was a very successful man. But all that came at a price. And that price was being him being able to spend quality time with his children. Um, I remember an old interview where Vanessa spoke about how, you know, in the not in the off season, but like in, in the days that he was retired, that he wanted to go pick up the kids because he hasn't been able to afford that opportunity for 20 years. Um, we know that's one of the main reasons why he traveled by helicopters because he wanted to be able to spend time with as he wanted to spend as much time with his kids. And you guys will understand the reason for that. If you've never been to Los Angeles, traffic in Los Angeles around the times that he would travel, LA traffic is horrendous. And in the times that he would have to travel to and from work, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't ever been able to spend quality time with his family and also go to work. So as a sacrifice, he decided to invest in a helicopter because that was the best way to beat L.A. traffic. Unfortunately, that was that same uh, mode of transportation ended up being his uh, his demise. But that's not the case. The case for me being is that he sacrificed 20 years to put his family in a certain position to where his daughters and his wife would be OK financially forever. Because he was so good at he was so good at his profession and he was so good in his investments and he was so good in the money that he accumulated over his time. Obviously, it came at a price of quality time. And so my question for you guys is I understand generational wealth and we think generational wealth come in many forms and fashions. But for right now, we're speaking uh, about liquid. We're talking about we're talking about money and we're talking about uh, just financial being able to provide for your family. And so we it's, we see it in a lot of cases with CEOs. We see it in a lot of cases with professionals. We see it in a lot of cases with uh, wherever the case may be to where time is very demanding. So I ask, as someone who does not have kids, but eventually want to have kids later in life, but also want to be very successful, where does that threshold lie in determining the time that you spend Affecting your craft so that your family may be financially straight later on down the road and not being able to see key moments in your in your family lives. Um, I think that it's hard to determine. I think it's hard to I think the main thing is that we work so hard to put ourselves, whether even if it's not for kids, if, even if it's for yourself or let's say it's for your mother or say it's for your siblings. I think we work so hard and we equate time with successfulness because for one in order for you to perfect something that you love you have to invest time in it and obviously time is a sacrifice time is something that you never get back no matter what it is if it's you trying to perfect your craft you in a relationship you in school you at work you can never get back that time so i guess my main point here is that you know as valuable as time is how valuable is it actually um, I think that it's hard to be the best that you want to be and no matter what field it is, um, I think it's hard to be the best that you want to be and also 
be present, if that makes sense. Um, I speak about that just from a standpoint of eventually my end goal in life is, or my my goal in life, my, my number one goal in life is to eventually start a company, own a company, run a successful company. But I know that's going to come at a price. But I also know that one of my main goals in life is also becoming a parent. And I know how valuable that time is with children. I uh, I think that we see a lot of times where even just regular nine to five. So where people work crazy hours and sometimes it's not really reciprocated as far as like what you get back from the, from the company. So I asked continue to ask that question as far as like how do you determine that threshold um i'm gonna stop a minute to read the comments within the live um the first one is i was thinking about the same thing loyalty versus priority yeah it's crazy because you just really can't determine and you can't value one over the other because you're going to lose out on one you can you can value family more but that's going to take away time from you trying to perfect are you trying to invest in what you are trying to do to you know bring in money to take care of your family once you're gone so is it worth it or are you okay with losing money on that another uh, comment was you should have a balance with life but make your make sure you're hitting your goals i think having a balance with life is is different than having a balance with with family priorities like I think that I can invest myself 100% into a startup company and still have a balance of life. What I mean by a balance of life, like I can still, like I enjoy simple things. I like going to the movies. I like going to concerts. I like going to, uh, prefer, I like going to live sporting events. So I think that I can invest all that time into starting up a company and still have time to do the things that make me happy because that's the life balance like i'm still have a a sense of normalcy but i think when you think about family like that's a whole nother demand um when you're you talking about raising even if you have no intentions of raising kids even just with your wife if you don't want to bring kids to the picture you just want to focus on just you and your wife it's kind of hard to be 100 percent about this and also be 100 percent about her like somebody's going to lose and there's going to be an effect on one of the two um you're going to lose out on something so i just think that balance is kind of hard and it's, it's something that just plays on in my mind over and over. Another uh, comment was, it's all about how you value your family. I grew up with having a father, so I wanted to be the best father I could possibly be. And that's another, that's where I come from. Uh, as I continue to say, I don't have kids yet, but when I have offspring, I'm going to want to be the best father that I could possibly be for them because I know how important that is. I know what I needed and I know what I may still need or what I may have missed out on just because of, you know, I spoke about in earlier episodes, like I didn't have a deadbeat father. I've had to com- compare and contrast. I know what my life was like with my father being physically present. And I know what my life been like to me only being able to, to see my father during the summers or being able to just speak to my father over the phone that I may not have able to be able to, to, understand it as a kid but as an adult looking back on certain things i understand the difference in that life and i remember like i know that a lot of people don't remember like you know your childhood up to a certain age i remember my childhood so i remember having you know a father there um present 
And I know when I compare and contrast, I know the difference between the two lifestyles. And I know how it affected me. So I think that once I have kids, like that's going to be one of my main priorities, just to make sure that I'm there. And also, though, with me being an aspiring business owner, how how I divvy up that time is going to be hard. Um, we're going to speak about this more deeper in a later episode because I want to do my research and I want to give you guys more examples. But it's something that always that's always been on my mind. But I thought that the comment in the last live about just generational wealth really brought it back up to my mind Um just because of the 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 sake of uh, the financial aspects of generational wealth, um, further and beyond that, generational wealth, as I said, is not just um, financial. Generational wealth can be knowledge. Generational wealth can be assets. Um, generational wealth can be property. Um, an example of each. As I just spoke about, and someone in life spoke about just not having a father. If you don't have a father, you know. You being you portraying yourself or you, you know, aspiring to be the best father possible, that is generational wealth because that's passed down because your your offspring have an example of what a parent or parents look like. And I would assume that being a parent, one of your goals is for your your, your children to be better than you than are are to be greater than you. And so because your children have a great example of what to aspire to be or what to be better than, they're able to pass that on to their offspring and go on longer, longer and longer down the line. And so I think that's one aspect of one form of generational wealth for the for the sake that that's going to be passed down. It's not um, physical. It's not uh, financial. It's not assets. It's not something that you can touch, but it's not anything tangible. But. It's something that can be passed on. And I think that's wealth. I think knowledge is wealth. I think even beyond just being a parent, I think also being able to whether whether you you're uh, a college graduate or high school graduate, whatever the case might be, having some type of knowledge and just not being ignorant and being very open and understanding that your effect or how you pertain or how you attack certain things, your kids being able to watch that is also generational wealth. I think knowledge of self is generational wealth. I think knowledge of the streets is generational wealth, especially with people that grow up in certain um that grow up in certain communities. Like that's that's very important because you have to know how to survive in a in a in a case that you out there all alone. So if you're able to pass that along for the the sake of survival of the fittest, you have that knowledge that was passed down by your parents. Um I said, what was that? Knowledge. I said financial. We know what financial generational wealth is. Obviously, we talk about assets. Um, in the lowest sense of assets, let's say we're not even going to get into like just own a business. Let's say just a car for a fact. We're in 2020. Say you are renting, not renting. Um, what the hell? Is that? Uh, you're not leasing. You are financing a car in 2020. And that car that lease or that uh that that car term has uh, a six year agreement so by the time six year come you own that car that car is your name obviously cars depreciate so it's not the best example but you understand what i'm getting to by the time i get to the end of this say in 2026 cars are flying uh 2026 um cars are flying but cars are worth a million dollars so everyone can afford a car and that's just a million dollars is 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 the the lease is is the cheapest car that you can get on the market is is a million dollars. 
But because you own a car, and let's say that your kid is probably able to, to drive a car now, you don't have to go out and buy a million dollar car. You may not need a car at all. You may be retired and your days may consist of being at home, going to a local grocery store, but your kid who may just graduated college and decided to move out of state because they want to pursue a certain career, a certain job, or take a certain path, they need a car, but they also can't afford a million dollar car because they don't make that much money. That's another form of generational wealth because even though that car is depreciated, if you took care of it within those six years, and usually a car in six years, it doesn't, unless you were like just crazy, like driving like a bat out of hell, then a car shouldn't depreciate physically that much within six years. So by the time 2026 comes, your kid graduated from college and you're ready to retire and your kid need a car, you're able to pass down that car. And your kid is going to be able to do the same thing later on. You know, by the time they have kids, that car may be trash, but it's still a car in a sense. Um, I spoke about assets. I spoke about wealth. Uh, I spoke about financial. I spoke about uh, knowledge. I don't remember what the other example was of financial wealth, but I think that there's very financial wealth, uh, financial wealth, generational wealth comes in many forms, many shapes and sizes. And I think that's very important that we recognize that because you have to be able to recognize what was important to you or what you may have missed out on. Um, but you also have to understand what is needed for your kids and what they, uh, what they're going to need. We'll stop a minute to read a comment. Um, my mama gave me her 96 Honda Civic to take to college. That was one of the best things she could have ever done. And that's all when I spoke into one of the examples I was just speaking about, just being able to afford that in a time that, you know, if you were going to college, you probably didn't have any finance or have any credit. So you probably wouldn't have to be able to afford a car. Well, also, if you were going to college, you probably had prior to that, maybe a low paying job or probably didn't have no job at all. In that case, in the, in the time that you were going to college. And so you probably didn't have money to afford a car and you went to college out of state. So just think about just the 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 great you spoke about just how great that was for you it was the greatest thing that ever happened to you or the greatest thing she could have done for you just think about just how important that is and going forward and recognizing the things that you can do for your kids um there's many ways to take up generational wealth i think another thing with generational wealth that and this is just pertaining to the black community because this is something that i can only speak about from personal experience but also just from seeing it from people that i know also um close to me I think another form of generational wealth is also just setting setting your kids up in the best way possible to achieve. It's kind of hard to get this across. I think setting your kids up in the best way possible to achieve what they need in life. I think that by the time most the average high school kid graduate, they're 18 years old. Not many people know what they want to do with their life at 18. Not many people know what they want to do with their lives at 25. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until probably 24, I think. I'm 27. No, not until 23. Um, but still, I've had so many changes in what I thought I was going to do for my life. And I spent, and we're getting back to the time and divvying up time and wasting time on other things like for the most part, for most of my life, I thought I was going to go to the NBA. I thought I was going to be a basketball player. And this was something that was implemented in my head. And I'm not blaming my family, but it's also the effects of just the community that I grew up in. Like, 
most people where I'm from, you don't make it out unless you're some type of entertainer, whether that's music or whether that's sports, because we're not afforded the opportunities that kids in the suburbs are afforded. And so I think that um, one thing that really messed me up in my early years in life was that I wanted to be an NBA player because one, I love the NBA. For two, I knew that the best way to be successful where I came from was to go the route of sports. Um, and for three, that, you know, a lot of people, and it's not even really to the, I can't really blame it on my family because I think that that's also another a key important thing with, when we think about, um, support and also just supporting like kids dreams and not, um, crushing their dreams as far as what they aspire to be. So I think that as a kid, I voice that that's what I want to be. Um, but I also know that a lot of times that it was put on me that I had to make it to the NBA because of what people thought I was going to grow to be uh, in terms of height. But also that paired with what I had interest in. I think that as a parent, you also have to allow your kids to roam and try out different things. Like from six years old, I knew that that's what I wanted to be. It wasn't until I turned 16 that I knew or 15 that I knew that the NBA wasn't happening. Um, I made it to high school. And by the time I was in high school, I was um, at 15. I was a sophomore and I was supposed to go. I was supposed to play varsity my at my sophomore year, but I didn't end up picking a varsity. The coach ended up keeping two seniors on the team um, that were supposed to be cut for the sake of just having seniority. And so I played JV again and, and I didn't run track until I was 15 years old. And then that is when I realized that I like track more than I like basketball. And I'm not just saying just sports are the only means to be successful. This is what I mean by uh, also you have to just allow your kids to roam and also allow them to try different things. But this is just for me, just for the sake of what I thought um, I wanted to be for the most of my life. So I thought I was going to make it to the NBA. I thought I was going to be a basketball player my entire life. Also thought that I was going to be six foot seven, six foot eight. Um, just because of genetics and a nigga sitting here at 5'11 at 27 years old. I have not grown since I was 14 years old. So for the past 13 years, I've been 5'11. Um, but anyways, that's not even the case. I think that, or what I was getting back to my, my, uh, standpoint when I was 16 years old or 15 years old, I realized that I didn't even like basketball as much as I thought I liked it. I like track more because it was more of an individual sport, but I still loved basketball because it was my first love, but I also was very interested in track and I had more success in track than I had at basketball. But I also understood that as far as my development and with basketball goes, I was too far behind the curve to also to actually think that I was going to make it to the NBA. Now, I could have made it had I had worked hard and all the 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 <laughs> cliche things and stayed in the gyms overnight and did whatever the case may be. But I knew that it wasn't something that was going to happen. So I shifted my focus. By the time I was a senior in high school, I knew that I didn't want to go to college. Not, I don't even know if I didn't want to go to college. I knew that I wanted to make money more than I did want to go to college. Now, I didn't know too much about financial aid. I didn't know too much about loans. Thank God I didn't because I probably would have went to college and tried to get that money. Then we'll be paying that shit off now. Um, but by the time I was a senior in high school, it was like I was contemplating going to college but I didn't really want and I took the uh 
military uh, <laughs> test at all. <laughs> I took the military test uh, my junior year, military ASVAP test, and that test is basically weighs out where you stand in the field uh, amongst other people and the jobs that you will be able to uh, walk into if you decide to go to the military. So I took that my junior year, by the senior year, I was still like weighing on the fence whether or not I wanted to go to the military or where I wanted to go to college. And it wasn't until my the week of my birthday my 18th birthday in high school that i realized that i didn't want to go to college i wanted to go to the military so i make money so i opted to go to the military shout out high school and i went to the military with the mindset of i was going to do 20 years and shout out to my uncle who's in alive um he just retired he did his 20 years in the air force as well um part of the reason why i even decided part of the reason why the air force was even on my list of things to do after um high school but anyways i went into the air force thinking that I'm going to do 20 years and I'm retired and then we're going to go after that. Uh, for my last listeners, this is going to end. So I'm going to have to end it and start it over because uh, Instagram Live only give you an hour time limit. All right, we back. So to make a long story long, um, I was just giving you guys an example of just people not knowing what they want to do in life or what their purpose is in life until they really experience life. So I think I left off with me being 18 years old, being in high school and electing to go to the military instead of going to college. So my main thing in there was I didn't come for money. I needed money. And I also want to be in a position to where if my immediate family was in dire need and by my immediate family, not really immediate family, but my household that I grew up in was in dire need of like some financial help. I wanted to be able to provide for them in the, in the sense of that my one of the main examples or reasons for that is because like my big brother had a job since he was 16 years old. So I seen the times to where maybe my mom needed help with something. And because he he's been actively employed since he was 16 years old, he was able to to lend her a hand or whatever the case or whatever he needed. So I also had aspirations to be able to be in a position for that. But um I couldn't get a nine to five job for some reason. I was applying for jobs before I was even going military. Nobody wanted to hire me. Like by the time I even got into the military, niggas was still denying me jobs. I was like I was getting emails saying that I wasn't chose. It was kind of weird. But anyways, get back to the story. Being eighteen years old, so I go to the military. My m- mindset going into the military was okay. I'm gonna do twenty years and I'm gonna retire. I think that the first two years with my military experience were great. I was like still on that high to like it. First of all, it was my first job. Second of all, I was making money. I've never had a job before. Like I've had hustles. Like I used to um, mow lawns and and stuff like that. Or I may have like cut uh, friends hair or whatever the case may be. But it's never like a a serious amount of money. So even though the money, the military is under underpaid, the money that I was making within the military, it was still enough for me to 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 have a, a impact on me as far as like me being happy about it so within the first two years in military it was great the third year it kind of just became routine same thing wake up every morning work out uh go to work wherever the case may be and it was just like there's something that was doing just going with emotions and so by that third year i realized that like 20 years it seemed it seems crazy and i had initially signed up for six years thankfully i got out the military for one, before 20 years, and for two, before six years, I was kicked out, but, I mean, 
I got an honorable discharge. So I got out with all my benefits and all that stuff. But by the time I got out of the military, this was 2014. So in 2014, I'm 21 years old. So now I have to change my mindset on what I want to do in life. And so by that time, I had a I had a had an idea of what I want to do with my life, but I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do with my life as far as like to make ends meet and also just like what my end goals for life was. So I'm 20 years old now, fresh out of the military. Now I got a, a, a second lease, a second lease on life. And um, I got out, moved, decided to go to school. I got out and went to school and all that stuff. And so while I'm in school, even within like me being a community college, my mind, my mind state changed as far as what I wanted to do from those two years and in the years that I graduated from the four year university is it's crazy. But I just had to to give you guys just like a visual picture or give you guys a, a mental picture of how often someone's mind can change, but also how unstructured someone mind could be as far as what they want to be in life. So here I am, 20 years old, fresh out of the military, something I thought I was going to do for 20 years. And now I'm 21 years old going to college and I have a, a, a something on my mind as far as what I want to do. And I'm not really sure if I want to do that, but this is just, I had to make it ends meet. Uh, I had to pick something else up because I was able to fortunately get out of my contract earlier than I was supposed to. So now I had to do something else. And from the time that I was 21 to the time that I was 23 years old, my my objectives, the things that I prioritize and the things that I, I had planned for myself all changed. And while I may have always had or within that time, what my pur- well, not what my purpose, what my objective was in life, I never knew what my purpose was in life. I didn't really discover what my purpose was in life until maybe two years ago. 2018, maybe two or three years ago, I didn't really understand what my purpose was, but I knew what my objective was. And the difference between purpose and objective is my objective is what drives me, what my goals are, what financial, uh, what financial um, goals I may have and what personal goals I may have. So that's my objective. The purpose is why do I believe I was put here on earth? And I didn't really understand my purpose. I didn't really have a, a sense of what my purpose was until two or three years ago. So that also just show, goes to show how important it is with molding kids and the information you put in kids, and the also just the importance of um, allowing kids to 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 divvy in and experience different things. Because one of the most positive experiences I've had in my life was me being able to move into a suburb. Spoke about in early episodes about how much I hated it when I was going through it, but as an adult now, that's probably one of the best things that have ever happened to me because for one, I was able to experience different lifestyles. I was different I was able to to see people who didn't live in fear. I was able to see people who weren't living day to day. I was able to to interact with a different race of people. I, I grew up in an area to where everybody around me looked like me. I may have had um, people of Latin community that lived in the same that lived um, on the same streets. I went to the same school as me. But as far as the, the majorities of this country, I didn't see them that often. And so once I left the community that I was so used to for um my entire life at a certain point 
once I left that and I was able to experience life in a, in a different community, I realized how important that, uh, that that diversity was and what i mean by diversity just as far as life experience like if i would have grown up in a certain place for so long i would have been stuck to a certain mentality also would be has uh, been a slave to that certain mentality because when you when you used to something you become stubborn as far as change you also become stubborn as far as like development because you see what people around you are doing or you see what people who you see often, and that's not all, that's not always the best case. But because I was able to to move around and see the different life experiences and see the diversity within that, I'm grateful for it. Um, kind of went on a long rant, and just like I stated earlier, I know I said I wanted this episode to be long. I mean, I know I said I wanted this episode to be short, and every time I say that, the episodes be the longest episodes. I apologize for that. My last thing that I want to speak about. Um, and I take more more comments. Um, I'm definitely going to speak about this in a later episode, but this was just me free flowing off of my mind because of a comment that was made in the last episode on our last live session when I was filming episode 54. Um, but I just had to get that off my chest. So in the end, I think the most important things to take from this rant is that understand the different shapes and forms that generational wealth come in. Understand the importance of allowing your children to have diverse I don't know if I want to say diverse life experiences but just allowing them to try their hand in whatever they may want to try their hand in um, I know we see a lot of kids now who are like streaming video games and that's what they want to do and 10 years ago you know parents would, would tell the kids to get off video games because they're just wasting their time and now we see a kid winning video game tournaments and they win in jackpots of a million dollars and they're like 15 year old kids like that that's huge um but yeah man that's just that's just my main takeaway from this is just understand the importance of the different generational wealth and what you can do to to help your kids grow and help your children develop because it's very important we were all kids at one point and i'm not gonna say we all want to raise kids at some point but we all want to have some type of effect on children whether it's um coaching teaching Parenting, um, mentoring, um, being an uncle, being a, a auntie, wherever the case may be, you will have some type of effect on children. As as Whitney Houston said, rest in peace. I believe the children are the future and they are the most important in this crazy world that we live in right now. Molding them and shaping them in a certain way is probably our most important job at uh, as adults right now. Lastly, before we get out of here, this morning, Bernie Sanders pulled out of his uh, out of the presidential campaign. So basically, we're rolling into November with Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Um, why the hell did I say that nigga name? Uh, scratch that. We're rolling into November with number 45 versus Joe Biden. I spoke about this two episodes ago. Saying that I believe that number 45, second term, is as good as sealed. And that was just me just flying off of the dome. I 100% believe that now. Because look who he's going up against. And I'm going to try my best to not mirror what happened in 2016 as far as me not voting. Because I just refuse to choose a lesser two evils. Um, the reason why I personally refuse to choose a lesser two evils because for one... I'm not in a in a I'm not in a and it's selfish in a sense 
because it may affect certain people. And just because it don't affect me, that don't mean it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect other people. Um, but I say I'm selfish because I don't think any presidential campaigns has really affected my life in the past 27 years. I think Barack Obama has done a lot for me and my people. Um, what I mean by that, as far as like, as I just said, children of the future, um, I have a little brother that's 10 years old. So he was born in 2010. So for the first half of his life, he's only known like that's his normalcy. He's only known one president and that president was black. So think about the and I'm not saying that my little brother, he may not even care about <laughs> my little brother crazy. Well, my little brother may not even care about the president or whatever the case may be. But I think that when I think of cases like him and I think about cases of like other truths like that for a certain points of their life. The only president they know were black. And we speak about so much about representation, how representation matters. That's very important because he doesn't know that a president can't be black until you go to school and then they're teaching him history and they tell him all these presidents were white and Barack Obama is a lone black president. He doesn't know that. And so his dreams aren't killed if he has aspirations to become president. Like that does wonders for him. Not to get off topic, but that's just why that's the why the only real president I presidency i see it really affecting my life but to get back to idiot number one and joe biden i'm gonna do my research this presidential campaign i'm gonna really look into joe biden policies see that see what he's reneged on see what he said in the past see what he's really strong on what he stands for but i gave you guys my i spoke one piece about it two episodes ago joe biden was the people's choice for so many years and then we finally put that man on the stage and he shitted himself. He really couldn't hold he really couldn't hold himself in the first couple of debates against Kamala Harris. He really with even in the later debates, he really couldn't hold himself when certain things were 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 brought to light and people were debating going head to head with him. He really couldn't like he seemed and I don't want to say incompetent because Joe Biden is not incompetent, but in the in a sense of presidential elections and in the sense of what he stood for and what people wanted he's not that you know for so long it was like well we can't get michelle obama obviously barack obama can't serve a third term but if we can't get michelle then the next thing the best next thing is joe and we put joe biden on that stage and that man froze and so now we're seeing a lot of things that have come out within just the dnc uh debates where a lot of things that he may have stood for, he don't actually stand for them. And there's a lot of things that he's never spoken to um, as far as like policies and also just his way of thinking, his ideology. Um, a lot of things that never been brought to light until his campaign started. And he weren't, I've seen countless amount of times to where people have called him out on certain things and he really didn't have a a answer to why he said something or why he felt a certain way because that's just who he is. Um, someone in the comments said that he's a wolf in sheep clothing, and I think that's, in a sense, the and to put it in the simplest form, that's essentially what it is. Um, obviously, no one wants number forty-five in office again, but it's like who's going to take him out? He has the powerful people in his pocket. He have the racist people of this country in his pocket. Um, that funded the majority of his last campaign. Uh, not funded, but that 
basically powered the majority of his last campaign because that's what this country runs on is 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 racist and prejudiced people. But to get back to what I'm thinking of speaking about myself is like I'm gonna try my best to not be that person that's not gonna vote. But as far as I stand right now, I'm not voting again because I'm not I refuse to choose a lesser of two evils. Me choosing lesser of two evils does nothing for me ethically and it does nothing for my morals. I've never been a person to make a decision because of other people. Um, I've never been a person to, I'm not going to say I've never been influenced, but I've never been a person to be heavily influenced by what the majority is doing. I've always had a sense of individuality and I've always been a person that was well informed or informed enough to make a decision on something. And as I stand right now, I don't have a, this, I don't have enough information to vote for Joe Biden. I'm obviously not going to vote for the other idiot, but I don't have enough information right now to vote for Joe Biden. So I'm not going to do that. But this is where we are in 2020. We thought Kanye West was going to run for president, but it turns out that he was a coon or I'm sorry, he's not a coon anymore because he saved and everybody's buying into that. He saved. Um, So shout out to Christian Kanye. Um, we thought he was going to run for president because he made that announcement. We thought Oprah was going to run for president. Um, we thought a lot of people were going to run for president, but this is where we're at. This is our actuality. We're dealing with COVID-19, and we got to deal with the fact that this idiot is about to probably run for another four years as the commander-in-chief of this country, despite being impeached and despite being incompetent and despite being ignorant and despite being resident, racist. Um, and I'll probably get into that later. I don't know that the, the idiot is racist. I know that he's prejudiced, um, but I know that he's feeding off of that energy of that that racist energy that people that that has that has built this country and that continues to run this country. Um, that's really all I have for this episode. As always, thank you guys who tuned in for the live. I know how hard it is to be. If you only have a single phone, I know how hard it is to be locked on your phone for so long and not being able to do other things. I know as humans, especially in this day and age of technology, our 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 attention span is very short. So I thank you guys for dedicating that time to tune into this uh, live podcast. For you guys who listen in audio, thank you. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on um Apple or Google, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure you like. Uh, leave comments. I'm, I always welcome feedback. Either hit me up on Instagram at Speak My Peace Pod. Uh, leave comments on episodes on uh, SoundCloud. Um, find my email, whatever the case may be. But I'm always, always open to, to comments, to feedback, whatever the case may be. I, I really appreciate it. Um, before we get out of here, my what to watch for this week is Uncorked. Um, Uncorked is on Netflix. You guys know I don't give you guys synopsis for for movies, but trust me, it's a really good movie, but also it goes along with the theme of what we've been speaking about in the terms of of generational wealth and also just the importance of of how you mold your kids and that very important relationship between uh, child and parent. So my what to watch for this week is Uncorked. It is on Netflix. Very, very good movie. Um, my best kept secret for this week, we're going to get into gold BBSs by Conway the Machine. Once again, my best kept secret for this week is gold BBSs by Conway the Machine. Um, that's the Speak My Peace podcast. I'm out. Lulu. Uh, yeah, nigga. Let me get a light.
Smoking this mimosa. Why the popo so vexed for? They raid the wrong house. We had the dope and money next door. Uh, the water on my neck cure. And I ain't even get the back end yet from my next tour. That's what they so upset for. They broke so they gon' stress more. I keep my gun on me. You left yours. My money in line. That's why I'm good with the connect for. Dog food in the trunk like I just left the pet store. Free the Brody, they got my dude up in the mountains. When we was 15, we used to shoot up niggas' houses. Started with an eight ball, and then I moved a couple ounces. I fucked niggas' baby mamas, even seduced a couple spouses. I just blew a couple thousand on shoes that ain't even out yet. Pussy good, get a new outfit. Christian lubes if her mouth wet. Uh, niggas ain't richer than me, I doubt that. Set the streets on fire, and niggas ain't put me out yet. Machine bitches. I told my shooter, when you shoot it, you unload. Out there when he slide, he gon' pull up and start emptying the pole. And everybody goes, nigga. Yeah. I say the word, niggas gon' run down. With F and N drum rounds, you getting gunned down. Tried to hide my pole in the closet, and my son found it. So how to shoot this SK? I gotta teach my son now. How you gangster? You ain't never do shit. You ain't never shoot shit. Never been to jail. I can tell you a bitch. We was peddling the sniff. Told my Brody, let's fuck with this rap shit. He said he'd rather sell a few bricks. He said, that's like me telling you quit. When you the best at what you do, ain't nobody on your level who spit. Came from the bottom, from shoveling shit. Now it's 30 pointers in the bezel of my oyster perpetual wrist. <laughs> your bitch could tell you I'm rich. She came to my telly, the Ritz. And I gave her impeccable dick. I keep this Mac 11, I grip. I let off a clip when I throw my gun in the air where the treasure went stick. Bitch, I saw my shooter when you shoot it, you unload. Let that shit go, nigga. Let that shit go. Funny how we open laundry master, wash the money from the load. Wash and fold, nigga. My Spanish homie on the west, he think he Tony when he sniff, he lose control. Poppy, Everybody goes, nigga. You and you and you and him too, nigga. Him too, nigga. Green light on all you niggas. Niggas know what the fuck is up, nigga. Yeah.